This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. My God, I look at what he does and where he's going to line up. This is a guy that, to me, has all the opportunity in the world to be the wide receiver 1.1. Always connect on those deep passes like they did last year. I'm like a centrist. Three catches, 40 yards, zero touchdowns. Then he goes nuclear. Yeah, just 10 targets, 201 yards, four touchdowns. That's the greatest hit I've ever seen. This is Reception Perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. Our guy, Matt Harmon, is in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl, baby. Uh, you got a good setup going on here, pal. Yeah, I, I have a setup going on here, James. I yeah, don't know if it's uh, a good one. I don't want to oversell uh, it. <laughs> yeah, it is a setup. I, there's not a lot of light yeah. in this room. There's not a lot of... Um, I mean, there's not a lot of light out here in Vegas, period. It's a pretty dreary, rainy day. So, yeah, um, yeah you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm just embracing the fact that I'm going to be in Las Vegas for, you know, like a week. That's a lot of time to be in Las Vegas oh and God. on the strip. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm just just leaning into it as much as I can, having as much fun as I can. But it's oh, awesome. We, I, I've got a lot of great stuff planned this week. I think it's going to be really Love fun. Um, and, yeah, we'll obviously talk about some of that here on the pod. But. Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 always good to be out at, at Super Bowl week, seeing people and everything. Uh, yep. So I'm I'm just lucky to be here, man. Uh, it's great um, for those of those folks who have never been to Vegas, listening to the podcast. You got to understand, man. Two days is the exact right amount of time that you want to be in Vegas. Third day starts feeling real bad, and then yeah. anything other than th- anything longer than three days, four, five, six days in Vegas, you literally start feeling ill. You know, yeah. because of the, your diet's all messed up, the air's all messed up. Uh, you're probably drinking way too much alcohol, and just yeah, your your body's like, bro, we, we got to stop doing this now. Come on. Yeah, two days also not like a not working right like that that's the thing and not caring about my appearance right that sure, i'm gonna sure, be on sure. camera all week so I, I would like to not look and feel like a trash bag which is hard uh when you're you know living when you're living in Good vegas with so, that. yeah i know so i'm doing i'm doing like i said i'm doing my best we'll see yeah. uh I, I was i was talking to eckler this morning we got a show with him on thursday i was like yeah man i mean i'm excited to catch up excited for the show on thursday provided i'm still alive you know, by, right, by exactly, Thursday, correct. just, correct. just like, I mean, we'll see if I can still breathe this air by Thursday. So, um, yeah, like what you want to do is you want to be in Vegas for 48 hours and you want to be, That's uh, it. you know, as drunk as possible and having as yep. much fun as possible. Not thinking about like, all right, I got to be working in like, you know, semi-professional, not like it's a real job, but you know, semi-professional. Yeah, correct, correct, correct. Hey, listen, uh, this episode is usually my favorite one of the year, honestly, because this is where our guy Matt Harmon breaks it down, uh, talks about who is the best of the best. Who does he consider to be the best wide receivers in the NFL? Who does he consider to be an extremely good wide receiver? Who, If he had to make an extended Pro Bowl list, who's making his extended Pro Bowl list? Matt Harmon is going to break it down. And, of course, we talk about some guys who may be, okay, man, you know, maybe the time has come a little bit. 
bit, you know, guys who fell off a little bit. But um, I want to start the show by talking about Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, you, you're in you're in Las Vegas, okay? There was uh, he was supposedly supposed to go to Las Vegas, then all of a sudden, boom, one eighty about face. He goes to the East Coast now, and then now he ends up in Washington, brother. I am just. I am flabbergasted. I'm confused. I'm just, I don't understand what is going on. How are there not just what, how's there not one team, but multiple teams interested in the services of Cliff Kingsbury? How is this possible? Does he have the best agent in the universe? What is going on, Matt Harmon? How is Cliff Kingsbury the OC in Washington? Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I, one of my buddies texted me yesterday. You know, he's a Commanders fan, longtime suffering Washington fan, and he's just like, uh-huh. "Tell me." He, after the Dan Quinn hire and after the Cliff Kingsbury hire, he sends me exact the exact same text, which is, "Just tell me how to feel." Uh, and and <laughs> I was like, "I don't really have a lot for you with Cliff because I find him to be one of the more confounding figures." in the NFL. I mean, and obviously just in football in general, cause he has spent time in college football. Obviously there's right. going to be a ton of Caleb Williams connections because he was USC's quarterback coach. Um, although did he even have the best year that he possibly could have Caleb Williams at USC's past no. year? No. no. So, I mean, I don't even, and he's all Caleb Williams also, you know, DC area ties. He's, he's got the whole thing. So there's obvious connections kind of going on there, but yeah, I, I just, it's got to be tough if you are a Commanders fan because you were riding this high of new ownership. Like we're okay, we don't have like a full on criminal. Um, <laughs> at least to our to our knowledge, we don't have a full on criminal owning the team. You know, we we might have some like oh we hire Adam God. Peters, who is a really hot GM candidate. Everybody okay. assumes that they're going to get Ben Johnson. Um, that was what I, I was. Uh, th- that was my understanding. Now right. that's devolved to the point that they're like back and forth sniping, you know, passive aggressive through sources in the media. So that's right. kind of got to make you feel weird and just coming away from it with Dan Quinn and, and Cliff Kingsbury. I, I really, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to feel. Um, and cause there's, there were times I think in Arizona and like, I, I can't speak much to Cliff Kingsbury's tenure as a college coach. Cause I don't watch college football like that, but just yeah. from a play caller standpoint in Arizona, James, I would say there were times where I felt that, he did some good things in the run game specifically. I thought there were times that Arizona's run game with whether it was James Conner or even at times with Chase Edmonds and obviously building some of that off of Kyler Murray as a mobile threat, they did some really good things, I think, with with the ground game in Arizona. However, the pass game was, I mean, frustrating. Um, you know, whether it was the a lot of bubble screen stuff with like Rondale Moore that wasn't really going anywhere, you know, lining DeAndre Hopkins up at left wide receiver and never, ever, never. ever, ever moving. <laughs> I mean, get used to get used to that side of the field, Terry McLaurin, because that's all you're going to do. I think that it, it just I, I just don't know how to feel. I don't know how to really spin it in a super optimistic way. But you're right. It does seem like people are still into the Cliff Kingsbury idea, at least. I'm just so confused. Where, where has this guy been good? You know, he goes to Texas Tech. This guy has Patrick freaking Mahomes. He doesn't win at Texas Tech. I just want you, I want people to understand this now. All right. He had Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. They didn't win a lot of games. You know what I mean? Like 2015, no. they, they went seven and six. 2016, they went five and seven with Patrick Mahomes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Cliff pretty Kingsbury. good quarterback. I just want to know how you have Patrick Mahomes in college and you have a losing record. How, how is this possible? You go five and seven 
with Patrick Mahomes. It just, it seems impossible. Then again, so, so not only does he go to Arizona, and again, the, the league figured out his offense four years ago. All right. It's the, one of the most unimaginative offenses that we've got. Because again, very static. You know, you don't move your players around the field. You know, New Hopkins lined up on that left wide side. You know, 80% of his snaps barely moved inside ever. Okay, then he goes to USC. And again, as you mentioned, Caleb Williams. What, what's the big knock on Caleb Williams right now? Is the fact that he played fantastic football two years ago. But then last year under Cliff Kingsbury, didn't play very well at all. Kind of regressed a little bit. <laughs> Not a little, a lot, a lot. That's the biggest knock right now on Caleb Williams. This is the man that you want to bring into your building to lead the offense? I, again, Matt Harmon, I'm just confused, brother. How is this guy a hot, like, you know, OC candidate? It just... It boggles the mind. I don't understand it. Well, and to be fair uh, to the well, to be fair to the idea of him being a hot coordinator candidate, you know, I think the two spots that seem to be really after him, uh, which is obviously where he landed in Washington and where he backed out, or seemingly contract talks mm-hmm. fell apart there with Vegas. None of those two teams were really in a power position to hire an offensive coordinator, right? Like they talked the the bears talked to him and they went with Shane Waldron, who I think is a much better choice. And, a, and it was running much more competent offenses there in mm-hmm. Seattle, you know, as opposed to uh, what was going on with the Arizona Cardinals. Neither of those teams uh, in Las Vegas and Washington were really in a position, I think to, to court a hot candidate for Washington, obviously because they waited around forever for Ben Johnson and kind of got spurned. Um, you know, I'm not saying that he went full Josh McDaniels on them, but he did go kind of Josh McDaniels. <laughs> adjacent uh, <laughs> yeah, on sure. them at least sure and you know what whatever that's obviously that's Ben Johnson's right to do what he wants with his career and I'm not I'm not saying like a, a negative thing about him or whatever uh, so that that was definitely a last minute sort of we got to pivot all right we're hiring yep. Dan Quinn and, and now he's got to build out a staff when a lot of guys have you know whether it's Zach Robinson who probably honestly if you think about it like in terms of offensive coordinator hires, it's probably like Zach Robinson is one of the more inspiring ones. And then the others are kind of like, okay, you know, guys getting kind of second, third chances, whatever. Um, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, it wasn't like they were in a power position to recruit a good offensive coordinator. And clearly while I, while I think that Antonio Pierce deserved the head coaching job here in Vegas and, and Mm -hmm. should have been their pick, there have obviously been, issues with him recruiting and building out a staff because like right he doesn't have a long catalog of like guys he has worked with and and like you know connections and and things of that nature uh that's just the way it is when you hire a very green and inexperienced coach which doesn't end up means it doesn't it doesn't mean it ends up being a bad thing or a bad hire it just kind of that's just the the cost of doing business when you're trying to develop this new young coach. So I don't know. Maybe he isn't that hot of a candidate. It's just these two teams were kind of out of <laughs> yeah, option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I got you. The Raiders end up going with Luke Getze, who I definitely think there were a lot of issues uh, with that Chicago yeah, yeah, yeah. offense that, right. that were that were primarily Luke Getze's fault. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, you. I mean, you talk about it, man. Like, find me a Chicago fan that likes Luke Getz. You ain't gonna find one. No, you ain't gonna find one. You know. So, so I get it. it. And even then, even then, the Raiders, I think, dodged a bullet. You know, like they bring in Getz. Yeah. I'd rather have Getz ten times out of ten over Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> that's tough. Yo, with Cliff Kingsbury, you know you're gonna lose. That's the that's the problem. It, it's like 
I don't know, man. Like I get it. Like, you know, we're, we're deep in the weeds with this kind of stuff, you know, but there had to have been like some random wide receiver coach, you know, yeah. some long time O line coach that you can go somebody, anybody, please more than Cliff Kingsbury. Like it doesn't make any sense. This shit don't make no sense to me. Uh, and you know, and the funny thing is, Matt, I generally like head coaches um, that end up being coordinators because they're, mm-hmm. they, they have an understanding of how to organize a practice. They have an understanding of, of basically just how to run the ship. Right. So, you know, you can basically leave them alone, uh, mm-hmm. which I think probably helps the, the structure uh, in place there. Uh, generally when you're talking about a, a, a new coach coming into a new place. So I don't know, man, uh, Washington, I know is felt, you know, Washington fans. I feel like they feel very lukewarm at best about both of these hires in Dan Quinn, uh, and Cliff Kingsbury. So we shall see, I don't know. A temperature check there in Philadelphia. How do you think the fans feel about Kellen Moore? Now the OC in Philadelphia, you know, I've kind of gone a lot of different directions with Kellen Moore. Um, because when he first got on the scene as as the offensive coordinator in Dallas, prior even to Mike McCarthy getting there, I thought mm-hmm. Kellen Moore had some good ideas. You know, like there was a lot of pre-snap motion. There's a lot of um, creative stuff with heavy formations, like multiple tight ends, sometimes even three tight ends. Um, yeah. Even tight ends like lined up in the backfield at times. There was some really interesting stuff there. I thought there was good use of play action uh, in the early kind of days of Kellen Moore's offense. I definitely started to balk at the notion and like this is on this is on record. You can go listen to any shows I've talked about this. I definitely started to balk at the notion that at the end of the McCarthy Moore partnership, like everybody just assumed that, oh yeah, all the good stuff is definitely Kellen Moore and all the bad stuff is definitely Mike McCarthy. And I actually think yeah. that this year, with Mike McCarthy just being the only play caller and offensive well, I mean Brian Schoner was an offensive coordinator, but Mike McCarthy is mostly running the show and calling the plays there in Dallas's past year. You know, obviously it didn't end well for them, but I think he did a pretty good job at times structuring that offense as more true traditional West Coast offense. And sometimes when you're not having that push and pull of ideas, it actually can right. work out really well. Um, the, the the thing is, though, it's tough to gauge Kellen Moore as a standalone offensive coordinator because I know with things were disappointing in Los, uh, Los Angeles this past year with the Chargers, but it's like, you know, I don't know what you were going to do when – your starting running back gets hurt in week one. Um, yeah. Your backup running backs have just never been able to be standalone guys. Uh, Mike Williams gets hurt in week three. You got to throw Quentin Johnson into a role he's not ready for. Um, he was mm-hmm. probably not ready to play any role, as we've talked about. And it just, it, and then obviously Herbert gets hurt at the end of the year. They have uh, right. consistent pass protection issues. And I, I think that I'm not sure that Kellen Moore raised his stock this past year. Maybe it, his stock is a little bit lower than it probably was in previous years. Oh, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I do think that some of the stuff in his offense is going to benefit the Eagles specifically because it's like talk about static that that is the Eagles offense from the past few years. And, you know, like Brian Johnson just clearly wasn't ready to be the play caller because the offense functionally and structurally is pretty similar in Philadelphia in 2023 and 2022. The difference is they just had Brian Johnson pulling the strings and not Shane Sykin. And Shane Sykin is just really better at this than Brian Johnson is at this point. I, I think that I, I'm really interested to see the product that they put out on the field this coming season, James, because like what Kellen Moore has done with under center play action at times and, you know, moving these receivers around into optimal formations and, yeah. um, you know, like, that's n- none of that was being done in Philadelphia the past c- 
couple of years, but can the quarterback do that? Because I think if the quarterback could do that, can get under Great center, point. and which which we haven't just we haven't seen Jalen Hurts operate that way. So I don't know if right. that is a Jalen Hurts thing or like an Eagles offense thing. So that marriage is going to be particularly interesting. But if that comes together, <laughs> I think it's a good it's a good bit of news for AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, who I think the usage for those guys has been a little too static. The route combinations have been a little too static the last few years. So if we can successfully blend players and personnel here, I think this actually could be a decent offensive coordinator hire. I think it's, I, I'm really intrigued. <clears throat> I won't go so far as to say I love it, but I really, mm-hmm. really like it because I am really, really intrigued. You talk about the Chargers there. Keenan Allen missed time. Joshua Palmer missed time. Mike Williams missed a big chunk of the season. Quentin Johnston was a huge bust at wide receiver. Okay, I just listed off four wide receivers. Tell me a team, any team in the NFL, where you start losing your top, you know, three, four options at wide receiver, and you're still going to play well, right? Austin Eckler missed a bunch of time. Gerald Everett, uh, their starting, you know, tight end, missed a bunch of time as well. We're talking literally every single pass catcher in a charger uniform, all the major ones missed chunks of time. Um, and I don't know of an offense in the NFL other than Kansas city with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reed that could survive that. I really yeah. don't. Right. So um, I give Kellen Moore a little bit of a pass. I'm with you. I like his variations in the formations. He also varies up, you know, shotgun under center. He varies up motion. He varies up personnel. I like that. I like that a lot. I think the point that you make about Jalen Hurts, though, that's something that I myself haven't really considered, I think, enough. I think about Kellen Moore in Philadelphia in a vacuum, but how does that coordinator marriage work with Jalen Hurts? And I think you're bringing up a really, really great point, Matt. Yeah, it's. I think one of the more fascinating partnerships this um, this coming season, because I, I do think it could be really good for the Eagles offense, like, there, there's a, there was a lot of conversation this past year that you are just putting so much on your quarterback if you never if you can't get under center and run mm-hmm. a play action game and run I mean because I just I do get stuck on this with Hertz because I think Hertz is a really really good player and a really good quarterback but I do wonder if they're kind of like we need to see an evolution phase from mm-hmm. Philadelphia and from their quarterback and and this happens with with almost every offense and every quarterback hell we're, we're talking about Kansas City like they're in a different phase of their offense right now than it was a couple of years ago. You know, like they're not right. doing a lot of that, like RPO stuff that they were doing early, early on in the Patrick Mahomes era. They're not doing, you know, vertical shots, you know, off these RPOs and stuff like that. It's a very different offense and it's almost more like traditional dropback stuff that they're doing now, which when you have that quarterback, you can do that. And you can successfully transition identities. We talk about the Ravens this past year. I know it didn't end well for them, but they successfully transitioned from what they were doing under with Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman for all those years to what they did this past year under Todd Monk. And it looked very different and it was very successful. Even Buffalo, it's, there's been hiccups at time, but they've been able to mold, shapeshift, and, and kind of reimagine their identity a little bit and, and go on to be a successful playoff team. The Eagles, I think, now are, are at that point with Jalen Hurts where, okay, we have paid you a lot of money. We mm-hmm. uh, are committed to you for the long term. Now we need and we, we need to and we need you to be able to successfully transition a little bit into something um, kind of phase two, I guess, of, of this offense. And I'm really curious to see how this goes because it's just looked pretty similar 
the last few years with with Jalen Hurts and and Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni and Kellen Moore, I think, is a guy to come in here and sort of stir the drink up a little bit, shake things up, if you will. And that's going to just be, uh, again, I think it's one of the more fascinating and one maybe one of the more kind of under-the-radar stories heading into this uh, offseason because there are ways, definitely, like I said, I mean – A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, like, you can line those guys up at all three receiver positions. That's what's really mm-hmm. great about that duo. Like, you want to line up Devontae Smith at your ex, he's uh, one of the best route runners in the league, and he's going to separate against press coverage. He's been a great press coverage receiver his entire career. Uh, you want to line A.J. Brown up at X, like, yeah, he can he can whoop you around at the X receiver spot. There's no doubt about it. But, like, you want to move those guys into the slot and make them matchup advantages, like we've seen Kellen Moore do with Keenan Allen or what he did with CeeDee Lamb. Obviously, in Dallas, like, 100%. Either of those guys yeah. could do that in different ways. In different ways, they, they would be a great slot receiver for this offense. Um, that's another thing, and just last point on this. I do yeah. think that the Eagles, while we like selfish fantasy football players, absolutely love the fact that like they throw to AJ Brown, they throw to Dallas Scott, they throw to Devontae Smith, <laughs> and that's it. Uh-huh. I do yeah. think if they're gonna part of this <laughs> offensive transition we're talking about here, they've got to get like a credible third and fourth receiver. They've got to get a credible yeah, second tight end, um, especially if they're gonna do some of that heavy condensed stuff with Kellen Moore because it was like laughable to see, oh yeah, Gerald Everett and like Donald Parham and Trey McKitty or yeah, you know, yeah, Stone yeah, yeah. Smart. Like that was a not a good tight end room with <laughs> the Chargers Smart. last year. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> ODU's finest, ODU's finest Stone Let's Smart. Go. Stone Smart. Absolutely sounds like a tile and, and regrout company. I love it. Um by the way, we talk about okay, uh, you know, Matt's talking about under center and those type of things this is why it's important philadelphia dead last okay in terms of plays that they ran under center as a matter of fact according to next gen stats they had three pass attempts all year long under center three three that's it (laughs) what were those plays i'm i'm dying to know what the (laughs) i don't know i don't know three pass attempts under center all year long now again it's kind of like when we talk about man versus zone, right? Because defenses in the NFL are like you know, league average 70% man. Same is true in regards to under center or shotgun. Okay. Generally 70% teams, zone. They're, they're, they're more zone heavy, not man heavy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is that what it said? Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. 70% yeah. zone. Uh, and similarly here with shotgun versus, you know, under center, uh, most teams are going to be primarily zone teams. Okay. So like your, your number one under center team was actually the Minnesota Vikings kind of makes sense with Kirk cousins. Uh, and then number two was the Detroit lions there with Jared Goff. So those things kind of sort of make sense. Um, but again, even Minnesota, 182 pass attempts under center Detroit 154 so you know again we're talking maybe for for the middle of the field it's you know probably anywhere between like 100 to 125 pass attempts under center versus you know the 500 pass attempts that they're going to have all season long so just kind of put those numbers a little bit uh, in perspective there Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Um, okay, Matt, I, I want to get into this conversation here. Uh, let's talk about superstar elite um, guys who basically are the best at their craft at the wide receiver position. Uh, explain to the folks the, the tiers that you've got. Yeah, so to me, I think that it, when we're ranking out receivers, and this is just purely ability, this is not fantasy-wise, um, yeah, I do fast. have a spreadsheet that is not publicly available, uh, just mm. my own personal rankings. Maybe someday I'll put it on the site. I just haven't. You know, we'll figure it out. Maybe this maybe this yeah. ne- next season. I've, I've teased it a little bit, and I just haven't gotten around to it. But to me, like, I think there are three tiers of – number like number one receivers if that makes sense okay so okay. and and i the, when we just throw out the phrase number one receiver that does not mean like the top receiver on every depth chart is a number one receiver obviously like i don't think there are teams that like there are 32 nfl teams there are not 32 number one receivers okay um and i am also sort of like i have said this year that my thoughts are a little bit i'll say evolving in terms of okay can a team have two number one receivers? Like, you know, I just because of how some of the, mm. some of the offenses in the NFL played out this year, right? Like I do think that Devonte Smith would be a number one receiver on, you know, 31, not 31, but a lot of other teams out there. Yeah. But we still haven't seen that at least for an extended period of time. Right. Um, T Higgins is going to be a great example. If he moves on from Cincinnati this year, like, can he be a number one receiver on another team? We'll see because we haven't seen it. Even if there's spurts of times where he's been productive when Jamar chase hasn't played, I still think like, I, I don't know. That's just an evolving thought on my head. And I'm actually not really sure. Like, where I stand on it. Like I said, I think it's something I'm kind of hashing out, but basically I think there are three tiers of number one receivers to me. There are elite number one receivers. There are superstar receivers. And then there are very good number one receivers, but they don't quite fit in the superstar or elite tier. So to me, elite is the top. If you're saying a player is elite, it's the best of the best. And it has to be a small crowd. Um, To me, coming into this year, there were seven elite wide receivers in the NFL. There was Justin Jefferson. There was Devontae Adams. There was Stephon Diggs. There was Tyree Kill, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase, and Cooper Cup. Um, Mm. I think... Cooper Cup is probably the name that has to fall out of that elite yeah. tier this year. Um, and Diggs is kind of a more no complicated question. conversation uh, because of how weird of a season he had. I still think, you know, barring when I go back and, and, and chart all the data out and really dive into it, um, I actually have a conversation slated this week to, to talk with Stefan Diggs. So hope if that Ooh, happens, hopefully you can dive into some of this stuff with him. Um, but I still think for now he's on the back end of my elite tier, but the only player I think we're actually welcoming no question into the elite tier this year has to be CD lamb, right? He, yeah. he, I think graduated from the first name off the list, like the first name in that superstar number one group. I think he has to jump into that elite number one receiver group after the season that he just had, uh, 18, <clears throat> excuse me, 1750 through the air. He had 135 receptions led the NFL, uh, in regards to total receptions, a 75% catch rate too, which to me just speaks to, 
uh, the hands, the route running. And, and again, you could talk about air yards and those kind of things, and I get it. Uh, but the bottom line is C.D. Lamb is the centerpiece of the passing offense. People are trying to stop C.D. Lamb, and they cannot do it. Right. So 135 receptions led the way in the NFL. Uh, I believe he was number two in total receiving yards. Yeah, he was number two mm-hmm. just outside Tyree, of Tyree yeah. Kill. Um, but man, just a hyper efficient player. Love the fact that he can move around the formation. 50 uh, 50 inside outside player. Um, and, and he'll burn you anywhere. Uh, that's really what CD Lamb is doing. Um, whether we're talking about real life or even fantasy, I, I would make the argument that CD Lamb was more valuable to you than Tyree Kill. Um, in fantasy purposes for what he did down the stretch. Uh, but okay, so him right there near the top of the class, I would assume Tyreek Hill is right there with him. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I still think that Justin Jefferson is probably when he's 100% the best receiver in the NFL. Um, he just, when he's when he's healthy, he's, he's unstoppable. You know, he's similar to CeeDee Lamb too, where um, these guys are, so hard to defend because there are masters like they have a phd at all three receiver positions and you know you see a lot of like what dallas does with uh and they do this more like in terms of lining him up inside than the minnesota vikings do with uh with justin jefferson because jefferson's just right. like a perfect x receiver when he's out there and cd is too like that was it was actually kind of frustrating in as much as i said nice things about mccarthy earlier in the show it was super frustrating in the first four weeks of the season when it was like okay first five weeks of the season okay we, we like we know we love the cd lamb slot stuff but in especially in this offense when it's you hit the back of your you hit the top of your drop you hit your back foot like we need that ball out like if cd is your x receiver on like the back side or the front side whatever um he's he's gonna he's gonna be the number one read like you need him in that spot more often and they got better about that this year and but that's hard to do like we talk about okay why doesn't everybody just move their receiver around like this because it's not easy to be a guy that moves around the formation like that and has a PhD, like a true mastery of all three receiver positions. I would argue that Jefferson and probably CD lamb right now are the two guys I think that are, are the best at doing that. So to me, I still think Jefferson is, is the top of the top. He's at the prime of, he's in the prime of his career. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're having that conversation where um, Tyreek is up there and yeah, I mean the, the crazy part about CD lamb is that I think not only did he graduate from superstar tier to elite tier i think okay. he jumped guys like you know um like i think he took a, a leap ahead of jamar chase uh even this year and i, I yeah. love jamar chase i think chase could he could have the he could have that type of eruption season that we just had see sure. we just saw cd lamb have at any point if he had stayed healthy this year and joe burrow had stayed healthy this year he might have had that type of season um but i think like yeah cd leaped guys like a steph Diggs. he leaped guys obviously cooper cup we talked about and like him and AJ Brown, I think, is a really interesting conversation. Like, who's a better receiver? Um, that's that's a tough one. But yeah, I think he's he's mm. not only leapfrogged into this elite tier. I think he's elite, he's leapfrogged a couple of guys that were already in it. Okay, so we've got CD Lamb in there. We've got Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, AJ Brown. These are top four guys now. Justin Jefferson. We got okay. We got five guys here in the elite group. Um, these next guys I think are teetering. Okay. So I'll ask you about the most obvious one, which is Stefan Diggs. Does he still belong here in your opinion? Or are we safe to say this year he dropped off? Now he's going into the, uh, into a tier below. I think this one is still to be determined. Um, okay, because him and Devante both are kind of in that. And 
I mean, Diggs just had such a dramatic season in terms of the first half and the second half. Um, right. I just – I can't remember very many seasons where a guy just loses it in the middle of the year like that. I, at least I can't, you know, in, in all my time doing this. Usually it's just like right. you see it right away in week one or whatever. Like, uh-oh, this is just not the same player. Um, you know, I think about like Allen Robinson. I think about like Des Bryant, um, these kind of mm-hmm, prototypical mm-hmm. number one outside receivers, just like you see it from the beginning of the season, just like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't the same player. Um, I, you know, I, I, Cooper cup a little bit this year, but uh, he's another injury based one. So uh, the digs thing I think is kind of still TBD. He's definitely teetering and I, I'm willing over the course of the off season to, to kind of move him down a little bit, just depending on what we find out about what was going on with him this year. And like, I, I think I said on this show, uh, or maybe I think I said it on the radio with you last week. I think we're going to find out a lot. We've already started with some of these pro bowl interviews he's, he's done, but I think we're going to find out a lot more about digs over the next like month or so what's going on there and you know, where things are going. But I do think that, yeah, uh, Adams and digs are kind of the guys that are teetering here, um, because at times, like when I watch them, I don't see anything different in terms of their ability to separate um, okay. and, and get open. Uh, maybe they're not as explosive and, and it certainly digs. I don't think is as speed based as he used to be. And that's going to happen when you get into your 30s. So um, right. I do think they're kind of teetering on elite versus superstar, uh, but still guys that I think if either of them was to get moved this offseason, teams would be. I think be really, really interested in acquiring their services because I oh, mean, yeah. legitimately James, like everybody, every team in the NFL needs a receiver, including those two teams that we're talking about, you know, that Adams and Diggs currently play for. <laughs> yeah, correct. For sure. I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I, I think we should just move them down, you know, cause if you're having this much discourse as to whether or not you should keep them in the elite, then he doesn't belong in the elite. When we're talking, yeah. when we're talking about elite level dudes, it is unquestionable. Like you're like, yeah, no, 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 no. This guy is of that ilk. He's cut from that cloth. He's that level. If you got to start explaining a lot of different things, I just feel like, hey, listen, you know, maybe it's beyond your control or whatever it is, but we got to, you know, I think you could safely say you could move them down. That would just be my thought. Yeah. And I mean, there aren't a lot of guys that are at that point of their career. Like we're talking about Jefferson. We're talking about um, Tyreek. Well, Tyreek's a little, he's a little kind of an outlier here because he's a little up there, but like Chase and Lamb and Jefferson and even AJ Brown yeah. are still like in the prime of their prime, career. Prime, prime. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I actually think that the next part of this conversation is more fascinating because um, I th- like who are the guys that are knocking on the door that um, could mm-hmm, be the next mm-hmm. CD Lamb that are in the superstar group but could by the end of this um, next season be considered in the elite tier. I think that's the is Amon Ra St. Brown an elite wide receiver. <sighs> <laughs> he's and to I, me, and I look 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 I know why you're struggling because he is primarily um a, a slot receiver and he doesn't do some of the things downfield that all of these other players that you talk about do um he's freaking good he's so yeah, good in that so role good. but is that role enough 
That's my question to you. It's a, it's a great question. And I think he is clearly, if we if he's not an elite NFL receiver, he is the CD Lamb of last year, where he's the first name off the list. He's the honorable mention, yeah. and he's right. He's he's like one good sneeze away from being in there in, in 2024, right? Like uh-huh. in the yeah, first yeah, couple yeah. weeks of that season. And honestly, like I I haven't charted out his 2023 season yet, and like I reserve the right to do that work and then immediately say, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw enough this past year to, to say he's an elite receiver because okay. he's – yeah, I mean, he's kind of um, – you know what? I, I will say there were – and, again, I haven't charted out the full data yet, but I, I can't get the couple of plays in the in the playoffs against the Rams where – and, look, I know the Rams had young defensive backs and, you know, some, yeah. some issues in the secondary, but, I mean, he was lining up against press man coverage and running, like, big boy routes. Like, I do – I, you know what? Actually, I, I'm going to go ahead and say I think he he does belong in the elite tier okay. of, of players. And you know, honestly, I've struggled with like I think he probably I, I haven't moved him there, and I, I didn't in my most recent update. But like um, I probably should just have him my elite tier of of dynasty receivers too, because I don't want to just like keep on waiting for evidence when I think we've got enough evidence at this point that like I I <laughs> know who he is, and like right. I've I mean I've always been way ahead of consensus on on Saint Brown. Um, for, for the most part, like because I have appreciated how he, good he is in that role. But I do think we have seen now enough of him expanding outside of just the power slot role. Um, right. I mean, he's, he's like, I, I think it would be hypocritical for me to say, which I've said on the show a lot over the last few months, that I think he has an argument to be the most valuable receiver to his individual offense. I think it would be mm-hmm. hypocritical for me to say that and then not say he's an elite NFL receiver. All right, there you go. Um, all right, so I'll throw out a couple names here. Um, I don't think they're elite, but maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Brandon Ayuk, Mike Evans, DK Metcalf. Uh, yeah, no, DK Metcalf definitely not. Mike Evans, I mean, he's he just he's in that point of his career with Diggs and Adams where you know he's uh, there's no there's been no drop off in Mike Evans's game, and I think you could argue that. Um, he might have had like, the best season of his career in 2023, and he's With had a lot, Mayfield, of really, <laughs> lot of really good seasons in his NFL yeah, yeah, career. Yeah. This is a guy that's probably right. going to the Hall of Fame. You know, I think he should go to the Hall yep. of Fame oh, in Mike Evans. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, and like, he might have just had his best season last year. Um, I think he's definitely a top 10 receiver um, in the NFL. I don't think he's ever, uh, you know, and again, all apologies to to Mike Evans, who, I mean, is my guy. I love Mike Evans. I, I don't yeah, think Mike he's does. ever been, I don't think he's ever been like a, a, a top five receiver in the NFL, which I know some people Hall of Fame wise will be like, well, then he's not a Hall of Famer. He's never been one of the five best players in his position, but he's just he's like been a consistent top ten receiver in the NFL for a long time. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And and by the way, the Hall of Fame like doesn't matter what position you play, so much of it is just based on did you play for a popular team? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of listen. There's a lot of guys that 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 have played with Tom Brady. They're going to get into the Hall of Fame, and there's no chance in hell. Okay, that they were top, you know, five at their position at any point in their careers, but it's all good. Um, yeah. Anyways, by the way, okay. like it wasn't. It's not as if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would fit as one of those um, popular teams. Uh, yeah, I, I think exactly. that before, prior to to Tom Brady, yeah, I, I think just looking back at Mike Evans' reception perception just results over the course of his career, I definitely think twenty one was his best 
career season prior to 23. Um, but yeah, he's always been consistently just like a top 10, I think superstar yep. receiver, but, 100%. um, and he's always been, so, I mean, so underrated as a technician and as a route runner, like that was a great, do you know, ball test for a long time. And, uh, it was tell me about Mike Evans as a separate, and you're like, Oh, he's just big, big, just big jump ball receiver. No wrong. Incorrect. <laughs> um, but I mean, he's still, he's still always been like, a yeah. good to great separator. I think not in this group of uh, we talked about earlier. The, all of those guys are all, I right. think, you know, very gr- great to elite separators. Okay. Um, let, let's pick up the pace here a little bit. Brandon Ayuk, elite or no? No, but definitely superstar. Um, and, and like he's he's on the trajectory to me, I think, to become to, to jump into that elite tier uh, to next year. And I mean, look, people that listen to Reception Perception know what how I feel about Brandon Ayuk. So we don't have to sit here and wax poetic. Yeah. For, I mean, I'd exactly. love to, but we don't have to sit here and wax poetic <laughs> for five minutes about Ayuk. Uh, Terry McLaurin last year was described as a, you know, top 12, top 15 wide receiver in the game. Is he elite? Uh, no, I don't think he's ever, uh, I think there were scenarios where he could have been. It was, I I think he was close with CeeDee Lamb to me in terms of first names off the list. And I I mean, just no, I, no, I don't, I don't think I, no, definitely. I don't think he is an elite receiver. Uh, I still think he's a superstar number one receiver. I am yeah. just look now we talk about cliff Kingsbury at the top of the show. Like <laughs> I don't, I, I would have to do a lot of work. I wouldn't have had to do a lot of work oh, if it man. was Ben Johnson and, and Drake may, you know, or whatever as the quarterback play caller for uh, Terry McLaurin this year. To, I could have, yeah, it would not take, leap. have taken it. Yeah. It would not have taken a big leap for me to get excited about Terry McLaurin in, in 2024. I think it's going to take a lot more work. <laughs> with <Yeah>. Kingsbury. <laughs> it's so unfortunate, man. The court, the quarterback situation that he's been through and you know, all the coaching changes, the dysfunction at the top uh, with the organization you can't help but feel like there is definitely, definitely some unrealized potential there uh, with Terry McLaurin. Like he has the ability and the skill set to be just as good, you know, as a CD Lamb or Amon Ross St. Brown or whoever you want to throw out there. He just, there's just so much untapped potential, man. Uh, and that's the shame of it. You know, that's yeah. the shame of it with Terry McLaurin. I don't know if we're and ever going to get there. Sneaky, sneaky old too. I mean, yeah, he came exactly. Into the, he came into the league as an older player and he's um, right now he's 28 years old um, and, and he'll turn 29 in September uh, of this year. So like, he's definitely getting to a point where, I mean, age isn't everything, but he's getting to a point where we worry about uh, not worry that he's going to yeah. fall off anytime soon. But you just you start to like I, Alan Robinson, same thing. He turned like 29 years old and, and just had sustained he had sustained a lot more lower body injuries. And you could right. you could tell he had like a hitch in his giddy up at the especially especially with the Rams and in, um, in 22. You could just you could tell like there, there was a difference there. I don't think we've seen that with Terry yet, but it's just something to keep uh, in mind. Well, yeah. And it's also just in terms of athletic peak. Right. So like. Yeah. Maybe the skills will be there, but like athletically, will he be there? Can he elevate his game to another level uh, athletically? I'm just, he's at the no. age where I, I just don't think we see that, you know? Okay. So, all right. So that, I think we could close the door on the elite. Um, now we're, we're smack dab in the superstar area. Here's a name that I want to throw out to you. Does he belong in this superstar group? Puka Nakua. Yeah. Pretty firm. Wow. I think so. Yeah. Wow. I mean, based this is the the crazy thing about Puka is just like 
you could see it right away with him. I mean, if you go back and like go on receptionperception.com and look at the Puka Nakua week one mm-hmm. uh, charting sample, and uh, I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up right here. Um, like it's just it, it's it's great stuff in terms of what we were getting right away from him. Um, yeah, and like to, to bring it back to his prospect profile, I keep saying this, like his prospect profile was really, really good. Um, it, it just, he was, he was injured and there was that stuff, but like just going back to the week one data with Puka Nakua and this, this is like I said, this is on the website after week one, 84.6% success rate versus man coverage, 87.5% success rate versus press. That was what he was doing in week one of his rookie season. And obviously those numbers are unsustainable, of course. We, we, know, we know that, yeah. right? And even the, as the charting data continued to, to you know come out, it, obviously it went mm-hmm. down, but not by much. I mean, not by much. He was still uh, – the data charted out in season, he was still a really good uh, against man coverage, against press coverage. And, like, that's – that's the thing with him, man. He's just, I think he's a complete receiver. Um, 73.8% success rate versus man in the rookie report, 71.4% success rate versus press. Like that's stuff that is, um, I think in the superstar category of wide receivers. And I maintain the cool part about him is just like, nobody else is doing it like Puka. He's just such a different receiver. So yeah, to me, I think it's, there's, there's no question that he's a superstar receiver. I think the question is, can he be a guy that jumps from superstar to elite? Can mm. he do what Amon Ross St. Brown has done over the course of his career as a day three draft pick, become the center of his team's you know universe? Uh, and I do, I'm, I'm open to that possibility for sure. 1486 through the air, 105 receptions as a damn rookie i also look at yards per reception here for puka too. 14.2 yards per reception for puka nakua if it felt like he was just out there making big plays it's because he was you know again when we take a look at yards per reception cd lamb at 13 yards per reception aj brown 13.7 okay so puka nakua 14.2 he's right i mean again he's right there uh you know with the likes uh Devontae adams 11.1 um, you know, Justin Jefferson, 15.8, which is, you know, a, a good chunky bit more than Puka Nakua. But this is the conversation that we're having here with Puka in terms of him making huge plays. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that you're going to get asked about 50 bajillion times from now till when we have fantasy football draft season next year. Can Puka Nakua do it again? I mean, sure. Why not? <laughs> like, why not? Like what is because people is, are going to look at the people are going to look at the draft capital people are going to look at the athletic profile and say yeah I couldn't I couldn't this give, was I couldn't this was give a rookie less of a splash shit. I couldn't give less of a shit about his draft <laughs> capital like that that's the thing to me uh-huh. is I do not care anymore about where he was drafted like this this is my always my thing with draft capital in general is that I don't care like once I see who you are in the NFL once you prove who you are in the NFL which to me is you have a, a, a full season of sustained excellence like that. I don't care where you were where you were drafted anymore. And it's the same thing. Honestly, it's the same thing too with early first rounders. Like the most valuable data you get on these guys is of them playing in the NFL. It's not <laughs> like once we once uh-huh. we start to see the the rookie data come out and and this is like I've said this on a couple of shows like 
James's past year, I think, was the first year on the website that uh, the year two drop was uh, the most popular drop in terms of like when we drop players, right? Usually it's right, rookies. Right, right, right. I think people are catching on now that like the most important thing to find out who these guys are is actually the NFL data, not the co- college prospect data is super important. Like that's how you were able to see that Puka could be a good NFL player, but. Yeah, yeah, just the that that's the best reps that you get of them. So I don't care where he was drafted anymore. I don't care where Amon Ross St. Brown was drafted anymore. I don't care where Jackson Smith and Jigbo was drafted anymore. Like what what you do as an NFL player. Now I still have questions uh-huh. about Puka's game in terms of like that seventy one percent success rate versus press is good, but it's got to take a few jumps to get to um, elite status. Like I think there are receivers yep. that haven't been as productive as Puka that, um, you know, and 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 I think this is. Like I, I saw. I think like, I don't have Puka as a top five dynasty receiver, for for example. And people say that I'm holding his draft capital against him. No, I I think that there are just guys like Garrett Wilson who have shown um, that he if he's in the right situation because of his ability Ooh. to beat press and man coverage, yeah. like he could be. Yeah, like you put Puka, and I know that this is again we're talking about dynasty, like we can't focus too much on situations and, and we're not fully having a fantasy conversation here right now, but it's all kind of intertwined together when you're talking about dynasty, sure. like we're talking about how, yeah, how yeah, good yeah. these guys are. Um, you t- I know this is not going to happen, but like imagine if Puka and Garrett Wilson traded places, like, I mean, shoot, oh God. I think Garrett Wilson go for like 2000 yards. <laughs> He'd probably break, break Calvin Johnson's records or something like that. That's how good that guy oh is. God. So you just yeah, always yeah, want to yeah. leave open those possibilities and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, t- I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to hold draft capital against him. I think if you're mm-hmm. asking, like, can he do it again? It's it's like, to me, I think you're asking, um, can he build on his skill set? Can he build mm-hmm. uh, on his ability to win on on vertical routes? Um, can he build on his skill set uh, in terms of separating versus press? Is he going to? What are the steps that he's going to take to become more explosive as an athlete as he gets into sort of that athletic prime right. uh, in his mid twenties and stuff like that? Like those are sort of the the steps. And, and technically, how is he going to advance? And obviously, then it's you know in terms of the fantasy questions about can he do it again? It's just is Matthew Stafford going to stay healthy and stuff like that? Right. Uh, is Sean McVay going to be the coach? For God's sake, <laughs> that's always a question now too. I feel good about that uh, one. That one I feel that one I feel yeah. pretty good about in terms of him him sticking around you. for the next four years or so. It's at least a question, you know, it's at yeah. least a question. Um, all right. So we've got that. We're, we're there already with Puka Nakua. Um, I'll throw another name out there for you. This is another one. How about Nico Collins? Is he a superstar? Yeah, dude. I, I kind of think, <laughs> I kind of think Nico's a superstar receiver. I I, I do. I mean, um, he was awesome this past year. Like dude, he was amazing this year. Come on, dude. <laughs> he was awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like yards per route run yards per route run against man coverage. Um, after the catch, you know, he was incredible. Like that was, that was the thing to me that was always really interesting about Nico Collins. And then this is by the way, like why like yak numbers, when you're looking at them like, oh, you know, yak perception and stuff like that, so much of it is about offensive style and um, and quarterbacks because if you have a, an offense like this that gets guys into space that has their X receiver run um, crossing routes and dig routes and, and routes over the mm-hmm, middle of the field mm-hmm. and, and in positions to make tackles, and oh, by the way, you have uh, like a freakishly athletic rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud, like, yeah, Nico Collins can average, you know, a boatload of yards after the catch per reception. Um, but, yeah, I do think Nico – uh, is is a superstar receiver, and I think Tank Dell could get into that group too. I just unfortunately got wow. got to see more from it after what he um, after getting injured this past year. But yeah, Nico tra- checks like all of the boxes from an individual skill set standpoint that you want to see uh, from a from a 
from a superstar receiver. Dude, he had a crazy impressive season, man. Nearly 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns, a 73.4% catch rate. I just look at that number and I'm thinking, how does he do that? Like, how does Nico Collins running all these deep vertical routes um, have a 73.4% catch rate? Like, that's just, that is unbelievable efficiency from Nico Real Collins. Real good at the game. Really, I mean, really, really, really good at the game. It's just crazy. I mean, again, these aren't, you know, exactly the same kind of guys, but, um, you know, Mike Evans, 58% completion percentage. Amari Cooper, 56% completion percentage. Uh, Keenan Allen, 72% completion percentage. Nico Collins, 73%. Come on, man. Like, you know, like, and again, I I guess this is totally RP, but it's just nuts. Yeah, but his and the, the thing about that though is that like obviously, well, Mike Evans has Baker Mayfield and who had a nice year, right. but he's still Baker Mayfield. And Amari Cooper was playing with a disaster level quarterback play until Joe Flacco got in there, and and uh, sure. oh, and Flacco is not even the most like high completion percentage, high efficiency right, quarterback. Right, 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 obviously, right. Um, he gonna put that ball in you know harm's way a, a few times out there. <laughs> we we know that with Joe Flacco. But the right. the crazy thing about Nico is. Yeah, he has some of those like Keenan Allen catch rate stats and stuff like that, but he's playing a role that's more akin to exactly. an Amari Cooper, a, a Mike Evans in terms of being an X receiver. Exactly. Now the route tree for Nico is is a little different, but but still, yeah, I mean that's what's crazy uh, about Nico is 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 he was so efficient this year, which is Stroud, but it's all it's Stroud and Slowick, but it's also a Nico Collins thing. Like you can't just take Nico Collins out and drop any old receiver in there; it's not going to be the same product. If you take a look at the top 25 receivers in the NFL in regards to yardage, right? So top 25 receiving yards, Nico Collins is number two in terms of completion uh, percentage rate, right? So CD Lamb is one at 74.6 and then Nico Collins is 73.4. I just, again, I'm just so impressed by the efficiency, the hands, the route running, all that kind of stuff. I know we're kind of sort of melting that down into like one, like uh, who cares about completion percent? I'm just saying it's just given his role and everything. It's, it's incredible. Um, And again, this is by the way, Matt, this isn't a guy, Nico Collins that I know you have a weird affinity for him, but there's no way that last year you're saying, Oh, this guy's knocking on the door for superstar. You know what I'm saying? Like, but he's here. He has arrived. Yeah. But if you go back and look at his, uh, year, his year one and year two reception perception results, in 2021, 68% success rate versus man, 71.9% success rate versus press, which is – those are darn good numbers for an outside X receiver. Um, mm-hmm. I said, like, it was very reminiscent of T. Higgins' uh, rookie year in reception perception. Right. Said so you, can, you can find that in a lot of places. Like, I, I've said that over the years. And then in 2022, like, I do think Nico Collins was breaking out in the 2022 season. It was just – obviously, he had bad quarterback play, and then he picked up right. a groin injury – uh, that year, right when Brandon Cooks was kind of quiet quitting on the team, um, 71% <laughs> success rate versus man in 2022 and 74.5% success rate versus press. Like those, if you go back and look Great at the numbers. 2022 um, database, those, especially the press number, he's around some incredibly impressive names. And that's why he was just such an obvious uh, kind of guy if, if Stroud was going to be good to, to take that leap. And mm-hmm. then the in season data this year, 
76.7% success rate versus man, 75% success rate versus press. And like, yeah, I'm sorry that those, those are superstar numbers. Those are, mm-hmm. those are superstar receiver numbers. And I do think that Nico Collins belongs in this group. Um, I know it sounds crazy and I know, um, you know, he was a guy that not a lot of people were paying attention to prior to this right. year because it was the Texans. They were like one of the most irrelevant operations in the NFL, but <laughs> right. and, and he, and he obviously like those as, as those numbers show that is, steady growth from year one to year two to year three he did certainly take his game to another level cj stroud obviously helped elevate him as well Mm -hmm. but he was waiting to be this guy for for years and i think that obviously was just accentuated by having a good quarterback and a good uh play caller i mean there's just so many guys like that i think I'm hoping get that chance at some point this year because Nico certainly got it. Couldn't this guy be a, a low-key dark horse candidate to enter that elite tier conversation at least? <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, definitely. I mean, just uh, tell me what he tell me what his weakness is right now. Exactly. After watching, the, like, tell me. I do think he's got to get a little bit better against zone coverage. Um, you know, just to. I always say this with these and we're really now we're really in the weeds of like reception perception numbers because which is, Hey, I mean, that's why you're listening to the show. Right. But <laughs> you know, it, a lot uh, of these X receivers that end up being um, in the superstar group, but never graduating to elite, they sort of operate in that great to even uh, that at high tier over 90th percentile success rate versus man and press numbers. But then they sort of hover, kind of closer to the 60th percentile in mm-hmm. success rate versus mm-hmm. zone, or maybe even like 50th percentile. Um, Allen Robinson, again, was this guy for years. Um, he never quite jumped into that elite tier because of that, but was clearly a superstar receiver at his peak. Um, that's where I think I like to see that growth from Nico, but even that's not like enough for me to say he has a true weakness, but it's the areas that you want to see a little bit of growth. Okay, so I'm going to throw out, we're, we're running long, so I'm going to throw out a bunch of names. Tell me if I'm wrong on any of them. Okay, that they don't belong in this group. Okay, so Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Devontae Smith. Any of those names stick out to you in terms of eh, maybe maybe we're a little earlier or he's just in here for legacy? Yeah, Keenan, I think, has to still be in here for legacy. Uh, superstar receiver. He was having a, I mean, a fantastic year this season. Unbelievable season. Prior yeah. to getting hurt. Um, and I think... Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are superstar receivers to me, and even if their production hasn't shown it, they, in the right situation, they could definitely be that guy. Especially Garrett Wilson, man. I mean, he's just yeah. the season he could he's have had this year. We we all know. I think those guys are definitely in there. I'm kind of upset we didn't get to. I feel like we've actually probably talked about this on the show before this year, but I'm a little upset we haven't didn't have time to have a more extended conversation about DJ Moore, just because. And we've probably talked about it on the show before, but we I have, do think yeah. he is a he's a guy that to me when I think of like receivers that graduated this year, DJ Moore is on that list to me that he, in Mm. my mind jumped into the superstar group this year because in previous seasons, um, I, I, and even heading into this year, I had said, I think that DJ Moore, like I was like, Hey, is he, is he a guy that's topped out as that very good number one receiver, but not like a superstar receiver. But man, yeah, he was electric this year. And he's yeah, another he guy that like low key has a complete skill set. Low key has been, um, by the way, if you're listening to this, uh, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, my Matt Harmon YouTube channel, because 
we're doing some more, Zach Miller and I are doing some more uh, content over there, uh, including a reception perception mailbag from from our folks in the Discord. Ooh. And uh, somebody asked me about it, the guy who has, I think, uh, who's in, uh, grown the most, like who has developed the most in terms of uh, like improving their success rates versus man over the year. And mm-hmm. obviously the Devontae Adams outlier is the biggest one going from the first to the 99th percentile. That's never going to happen again. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the other, the other guy I think is DJ Moore, like a guy that has uh, truly struggled in his first season as a route runner. And then has now graduated to being a, a gr- I think a great route runner, a great separator versus press man coverage. He's um, I think the bears got more out of him as an after catch receiver than the damn Matt rule Panthers did. Uh, the last few years shock. guy that can play. Yeah. Shock guy that can play X guy that can play flanker. And I, I think you can line up in the slot and do some mismatch stuff with there. I, I, I think I see him now after this season as a guy that graduated into the superstar tier. I just assumed he was always there to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, the, first of all, the internet loves this guy. Uh, Jesus Christ. The internet loves DJ more for sure. Um, all right. Let me ask you about one guy. Uh, T Higgins. Is he there? Or is he not there? Is he a number one? I mean, I, I'm assuming he'd be a number one on a different team, but is he good enough of a number one to be a superstar? Maybe this ages poorly, but I don't think so. Um, I think that the only guy, and by the way, I'm looking at this spreadsheet now that I have not, ed- you know, this is my rankings coming into last year um, that I have not edited in terms of my real life receiver mm-hmm. rankings. And I, the only number two or one B receiver uh, that I had uh, in the superstar number one receiver group. Um, oh, I guess the 49ers guys, both Debo and Ayuk yeah, are yeah, both yeah, superstar yeah. receivers to me, uh, but was Devonte Smith uh, is the mm-hmm. only one of that. Like the Jalen Waddles, the T Higgins is, uh, you know, the Chris Godwins or whatever, like those guys that some people think, I don't think people think about Godwin that way anymore, but I think to me right. that, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think T Higgins and Jalen Waddle are first kind of maybe the first off the list in terms of, uh, just very good, not superstar receivers, uh, which is no shade to them. It's, uh, it's awesome to be in that group, but I, I think that Smith is the only one I consider to be a superstar at this point. Okay. Um, I, I will ask you about Jalen Waddle because I, I think he's a guy that, uh, was probably in this group last year, probably not in it this year. Um, I actually was surprised Jalen Waddle was seventh in receiving yards last year, seventh. He had 1,356 yards last year. This year he had 1,014. So a pretty chunky, like almost 30% drop-off here for Jalen Waddell. Um, is he in that group? I think you just answered that question. I don't think – you don't consider him to be a superstar, right? No, I don't. Um, I need to see a few more things in terms of his ability to beat press man coverage. Um, and look, I mean, at this point, he, he had a good rookie season without Tyree Kill, but it was kind of in a weird little pop-gun role. Um, yeah, that was weird. Yes. So, so to me, I think he's he's first off the list in terms of uh, not a superstar yet, but somebody I could totally see getting there. You know, I I don't think of it like he's capped. I think he could get there, but I, I need to see a little bit more, especially just again, full ability to beat press man coverage, especially on like uh, outside routes coming back to the quarterback. That's that's where I think he's uh, he needs to grow a little bit more. Somebody who has lived in this group for a long time and that reception perception has loved for his entire career, Tyler Lockett. Does he belong in the superstar candidate group or can we safely say after an 894 yard season that he is now out of there? 
look, it ha- it comes, man. I for all of yep. us, I think he's I think he's now longer. I don't I don't necessarily consider him to be a superstar receiver anymore. Still a good player, uh, just not necessarily of that level. Um, what about DeAndre Hopkins? I go back and forth with this one. Uh, he went from 80 yards per game in 2022 to 62 yards per game in 2023. Where do we look at with DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, Hopkins I had actually already moved out prior to last year. Um, mm, I, okay. I think I think he is last year in Arizona. Uh, it, it's weird because this is sort of those like let's have the middle ground conversation. When he was a free agent, I think some people were still talking about him as if he was DeAndre Hopkins, and then other I people were talking about him as if he was like washed, washed. <laughs> and, and, and the truth is somewhere in the middle there. And I, I kind of think he is still in that middle ground where he can be a really good and, and really I think a number one receiver. He just is not yeah. in that superstar group right now. Okay, for one year in 2024, one year. I'm not talking about length of contract. I'm not talking about anything. who would you rather have for one year championship run? T Higgins, New Hopkins. Oh, T Higgins. I, I think T Higgins comfortably. Comfortably to you. Oh, interesting. See, I think I'd almost rather have Nuke if we're making a one-year run. Just a one-year go get it. I think you can do a little bit more with T Higgins. Um, like separation over the middle, I think is uh, that's going to be a T Higgins advantage over a new Hopkins advantage right now. Somebody who again, RP has loved, but has never really entered this conversation. I think is Deontay Johnson, Matt. This is the last guy we'll talk about and we'll move on. But Deontay Johnson, do you feel like with the new coordinator change, if they had a little upgrade at quarterback, could Deontay Johnson make that leap and enter into that superstar group? I'm going to say no, but like I have like a 90% confidence in saying no. Like there's still 10% okay. of me that thinks he's such a good separator that if he uh-huh. just like gets the some of the other, I don't, I don't even know what to call it, but just like weird shit. If he just gets some of that out of his game, um, that I think he, there's uh-huh. like, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's an, a t- 10% of me that thinks he, he could, um, he could do, yeah. and I, like, I truly do. I mean, I definitely think he's a, a number one. Like, I think he's a number one. Um, I think Pickens could be a number one too. Um, yeah, I think these guys are pretty close. Um, just in terms, like they're at their peaks. I think they could be pretty close players. I think both of them for different reasons have not fully realize their potential but at the same time mm-hmm. when i'm saying deontay johnson hasn't fully realized his potential like i think I, if i sat down and ranked it he'd probably still be in my top 20 to 25 receivers uh in, in the league and that's just like um i i i just i don't know that he, i don't know that he can still graduate to another level another guy that like i mean deontay is kind of not sneaky old but he is um he's getting up there He's getting he's getting up there. He's twenty seven. Uh, well, he will turn twenty eight this um, this yep. summer. So he, you know, he's a guy that age isn't everything. Age is it, it can be just a number with this position, especially. But uh, yeah, I, I do think he's kind of just right in that range. This is why <clears throat> when you break it down and you start saying, okay, this guy's a pretty good player, and you don't say he's a great player, and, op- and people online get mad at you for saying, how can you say this guy's not a great player? He's a top twenty wide receiver in the NFL. Oh, really? Because when you start actually doing the exercise, you realize there's a lot of damn good players out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that this is why we say a guy is, you know, like like I'm I'm specifically talking about the Packer guys, right? Like, okay, they've got a good collection of guys. <laughs> yeah. People are mad at us for not saying that these guys are elite. 
Uh, they're yeah. mad at us for not saying that these guys are great players. I'm like, guys, they're good players, but they're not. They're not even top forty receivers yet. You know, come on, Jaden like, Reed might be here. top forty, but 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 still, no, I'm I'm with you. Even coming into this year, like I didn't have um any, I didn't have Christian Watson close to 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 that range. I mean that that's the thing when you are just watching one team. Um, <laughs> in one uh-huh. one group of right. players, you're just seeing how right. good those guys are. But then, yeah, you start to stack it and compare um, across the league, and it's really hard to to say that. Oh, yeah, you, God, it, you, it's hard to rank a top twenty. It's hard to rank a top 20, 25, 20, top, any top whatever list at the receiver position. You're gonna feel like you guys you left guys off. Like we didn't For even sure. talk about Michael Pittman on this episode, and uh, I think he's right. a tough guy to to rank like where he belongs. And I, I, I definitely want to chart out his season and that'll be the, one of the first one profiles on the site actually, cause he's an upcoming it. free agent. Uh, even if he like, I think he likely gets tagged. He's still, will have a profile up on the site. Um, yeah. He's like, yeah, I think Michael Pittman's great, but like how many of these guys we just talked about that I would have over him? I, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. again, that's kind of to be determined, but yeah, it's, it's I think Drake t- London is another name. That's like yeah. really interesting, yeah. you know, oh my God. again, yeah. he definitely yeah. does not belong in the superstar group, but I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, like, would you rather but have Christian Watson or Drake London? I mean, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I would come rather on. have Drake London, you know. I'd rather have eighty percent of Drake London than than hundred percent of Christian Watson. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's, that's the, not that's even the close. That's the point that yeah. we're making here. You know, that's the point that we're making here. So when we say a person, when we say a receiver is good, guys, just take that as a compliment. It's good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, come on. Anyways, uh, we do hate there? your team, but you know, we do. Of course, we hate your. It's team. personal, and we've never we've never watched them. <laughs> either that's the thing <laughs> no no of course not no absolutely not we never watched a, a single piece of game uh from any mm-hmm. of these teams uh that you uh, accuse us of anyways okay uh great show um i love going through this exercise with you because um just picking your brain in regards to who's the best of the best uh that is the best man i really like doing that so there you go that's the show uh when we come back uh later this week we're going to p- completely break down the super bowl who do we like what are some prop bets we like uh chiefs niners super bowl last game of the season let's go all right for matt Harmon, i'm james co we'll see you and remember it's never too late to chase your dreams peace <laughs>